Hey everybody, welcome back to T-10. It's the show with 10 minute takes on the future of health education. And today I'm with Dr. Kasim Butt. Welcome to the show, Dr. Butt. I would love to start out with you giving us kind of a quick overview of your background and what you do. Yeah, Tim, great great to be here, man. Um, I am an interventional nephrologist. Uh, actually, I do both clinical nephrology and, uh, and um, interventional nephrology. I've been doing that for 11 years. Um, I, um, over, the, over those years, I've been concentrating on um, CKD education, kidney disease education, doing public speaking events on kidney disease, uh, not some nonprofit work, but also I've done social media in the last few years, creating educational content sim- made simple so that people can understand it two to three minutes to five minutes long. Um, over the last year and a half or so, got involved with awesome startups as well too as advisor roles, namely Icona Health as well, um, which has kind of changed my mindset about a lot of things and introduced me a lot more innovative side of healthcare, which is something I'm really passionate about at this point. And so I'm great to be. I'm great to be here. I'm great. It's great to be here, Tim. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining. I know that one of the reasons I first started chatting with you is because of that that educational YouTube series and those videos and. You've done a number of courses. I think recently you just finished an AI certificate as well at MIT. So I think for today, it'd be really helpful to have your take on kind of where education fits into all the different clinical settings and roles and and patients you see. So maybe we could start with just kind of laying the land of, give people an idea of what types of settings you would see patients in. I know you just mentioned a number of roles, but where does education typically happen when you are working with patients and families? Uh, fortunately, unfortunately, most times it's not happening, right? Okay. <laughs> but, and so uh, most of the time the education most patients are getting is from their doctor themselves, right? And so in that doctor meeting, um, when, you're, when, you're, when you're there, that 10, 15 minutes you have with your doctor, that's pretty much the time um, that you have to get, give that education, right? Unfortunately, do- not all doctors are great communicators or great educators. So oftentimes they're not necessarily conveying the best information to the patient. And quite honestly, I don't think the patients are retaining it. Right, so in that 10 to 15 minutes, a lot of times patients are overwhelmed. Um, they don't know what's going on. Um, they may nod their heads, but that's where most education is now given in 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 in, uh, in say medicine as a whole. Right, in that doctor session, that 10 15 minute session. So there's no follow up. There's no uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, no, no idea of the retain retention of the patient or what, what, any or any ROI on that education, right? So the, really, education is not a focus in today's healthcare system. Yeah, that makes sense, and I know we, you know, a lot of the work we've done and what I've learned from people on our team, like Todd Maddox, around stress for patients and how that reduces their. Oh, absolutely. So there's a number of things you mentioned from the learning in the first place to a doctor's ability, a provider's ability to provide that education. Uh, to yeah. the patient's ability to retain that and use that later. Where do you, one question I, I definitely want to understand because there are so many challenges when you think about education in a 10, 15 minute period, what is the greatest hurdle? Is it the time? Is it the ability of a provider to to feel confident or to have the resources? Or is it the fact that the patients are in such a position where it's really hard for them to learn the first place, let alone remember that information if you had to kind of pick yeah so you hit all three to be honest with you one is unfortunately i'm gonna it's gonna sound really bad or something but there's there's a side of there's an there's an apathy on the side of a lot of patients Mm -hmm. right a lot of patients don't put enough effort into their own health right or want to know more um, and also a lot of people, you know, depending, depending on the educational level, they may not have a science background. They uh, may have a, you know, high school degree, less than high school degree. Um, so when you're talking in health terminology, you're typically using either undergraduate or graduate level 
of verbiage, right? And unfortunately, a lot of times these patients don't. It's hard for them to grasp, and they don't want to seem ignorant when they're in there. So that's a that's a that's a that's a, uh, that's another one one component. The other component is time. Um, yes, if you have 10, 15 minutes, and like let's just say you're in a PCP's office, and the PCP has to see 20, 30, 40 patients in that day, do you think they have time to explain to you every aspect of your care? No, they do, they simply do not, and they're not getting reimbursed for that either, right? So why, what's the incentive for that doctor to do it? And and the other thing you mentioned as well too, like just as a doctor, not all doctors are great speakers or educators, and you know may not emphasize that component. They're like looking like if you think about what we do as doctors, right? I'm looking at your labs. I'm looking at doing a physical exam on you. I'm reviewing all your medications. I'm concentrating on the stuff that I think is really important. So unfortunately, in that in the, in that hierarchy, education is probably considered one of the least. But unfortunately, I, I feel like the education component and the patient understanding is the key to implementation of healthcare. Right? It's great that on a patient chart, I made a change to a medication, but did that patient understand that I changed that medication? Right? So that's. That's my. Uh, that's my. That's why I think education is key. It has to come to the forefront for us as healthcare healthcare providers. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense, especially thinking about health literacy and the ability to use and understand information that's being presented. There are so many barriers to the patient being able to understand and use that information. So, uh, all this talk about behavioral health, but at a more fundamental level, if a patient can't use any of the information, it doesn't really matter how that information is presented, whether it's in a PDF or an online video or some even more advanced complex method of delivery. So yeah. getting at the root of it's, it's, it's You have to kind of cater it to each patient's mm -hmm. understanding, right? So you have to almost do like a pretest to say, hey, this guy this guy reads at a sixth grade level. Right. Give him information at a sixth grade level. This guy reads at a you know college level. Give him information at a college level. Um, that way they can kind of comprehend. And especially when you go into kidney care, uh, Tim, kidneys, the kidneys are so complex. Like it's, it's ridiculous the complexity of what that organ system does. And I'm not knocking cardiology or neurology or GI or any of those professions, but the kidneys do so much. And so to explain to a patient that this kidney balances your potassium, phosphorus, of sodium, um, manages your blood pressure, manages your anemia, manages your bone health, manages vitamin D, um, you know, plays all these different roles, like it's hard to comprehend that, right? Most people just think the kidneys make you pee and that's it. So that's their level of understanding. So to, ex to convey that is extremely difficult and that's why you kind of need a team to kind of help you with that or some sort of mechanism to help you to educate. That makes sense. And also I'd imagine the fact that kidney disease doesn't have many symptoms in the early stages. So to get someone yeah. to, to care about learning something that isn't really making them feel any sicker. You know how many times I get ticked off and like, oh, my back is not hurting. It's okay. I'm like, dude, that's not the symptom. You know what I'm saying? Like unless you have a kidney stone or, or like polycystic kidney disease, your back is not going to hurt. So that's another form of ignorance that a lot of people have that because my kidneys aren't hurting, I'm okay. Right. So, right. And one, one question just on kind of quantifying the, the level of pain or urgency here around education. You mentioned that PCPs can see 20, 30, 40 patients in a day. Can you give me some kind of some kind of sense of low or high end of the range for number of patients and then types of settings you might see in a given week? Let's just say a typical week. How many settings are you seeing a patient in and 
what is that kind of range of number of patients just so people so nephrology is a really interesting profession um because there's a lot of what we call windshield time and so like there's a lot of driving involved in nephrology because you know like um i'm an interventionalist but i do clinical nephrology as well so in clinical nephrology itself like you're going to your ckd clinic your kidney disease clinic patients are not on dialysis this regular clinic you may have a 10 15 pet clinic there then in between there you're sneaking to dialysis units to actually go see patients in on a, on a chair on dialysis to bill for Medicare, you know, for the patient care there. Um, so that's another setting you're going to see them in. Then you may see them in the hospital as well, too. And in the hospital, they may be acute, which is a sudden drop-off of kidney function, or it may be a chronic, meaning a long-term a drop-off in kidney function. So there's like those three settings. And then if you see me as an interventionalist, that's another setting where I see them in um, in the OR or in um, or in the, in the recovery bays and in the, in the prep, prep areas, and I'm talking to them about kidney health. So there's so many different areas that I have, to, I have to see them. And I can imagine trying to educate right. during all those times. And again, going from a kidney disease clinic to a dialysis round, that could be three shifts a day, you know, kind of trying to hit everything. And so there's a lot of, a uh, lot of, a lot of, a lot of inefficiency in time, time um, with us. It, that makes sense why you'd say that it has to be personalized because I can imagine you might know so much about what the patient ought to know, but depending on the setting they're in and what they've just gone through and what is ahead of them, that is even more challenging for you to have to figure out what, what you should be spending your time talking about. So I, I can see that being a huge, a huge challenge. I, we have oh, yeah. a couple minutes left here. I want to wrap up with three questions. And what? I, I okay. want to hear your quick kind of top top of mind responses to each one of them. First uh, one is, what are you most excited about when you think about innovation, broadly speaking, in kidney care? So in kidney care, what I think is going to be the biggest implementation. It's not you know everyone's talking about the art, want to talk about the artificial kidney. People want to talk about uh, you know new develop new drug pharmaceuticals or medical devices. I think the biggest innovation is in the in the actual delivery of healthcare. Right? It's actually uh, getting healthcare to more people, but also involving clinical care teams, you know, the value-based medicine side, right? Mm -hmm. There are some drawbacks to value-based medicine as well too, but the idea of a patient having a clinical care team addressing all of the patient's issues and actually making sure that they're taking their medications and getting educated and getting the care they need and, and delivery to home, you know, that could be through remote patient monitoring and all that kind of stuff. So I think my excitement is more, more in the approach to patient care and the delivery of, of healthcare. So that's where I see a lot of this tech innovation coming in, whether it be phones, whether it be remote patient monitoring, whether it be a lot of these like cool nifty IOT kind of things. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's where we're gonna have a better outcome, not just with the new device, Right? Like we can talk about the artificial kidney as a solution. It's not a solution. It's still end-stage care, right? I don't want an artificial kidney, right? I, I want you, you as a doctor to make sure my kidneys work the rest of my life, mm -hmm. right? So there are a lot of developments happening which are super cool. Do not get me wrong. But I think if we delivered care better and utilized technology that way, that's where I see the best innovation. Great. Delivery of care. Got it. How, yeah. Second question is, who is someone that you're following in this space to learn from? Who, who's a either a business leader, healthcare leader that you're kind of looking to for what's coming next and what we should be thinking about? Ooh, that's a good one. Oh man. So I wouldn't say I have the, like one guru or like, sure. you know, or well, one, like, like I'm a disciple of that person. But I, you know, I, uh, I think TikTok to me too. Like I read a lot of books and mm -hmm. on healthcare right, right now I'm reading something called, um, um, the innovative, um, the innovators, innovator prescription, um, a disruptive guide to healthcare. 
Super cool book. I forgot the author's name. A Deep Medicine is another book I've read, which I think is just amazing as well. Too changes your mindset about how you approach healthcare, the utilization of AI, ML into healthcare. So um, I would say it's not one person. I'll be honest with you. I mean, there's a lot of people I, f I follow, find you know, for different reasons, financial, sure. real estate, whatever it is. But I would say you know, get into um, innovative uh, books on innovation in healthcare, and I think those are those are the funnest to me. Excellent. And last one here. I know you spend a lot of time kind of podcasts and, and in the media here. What is a podcast people should be listening to, to, to learn more about education, the future? of A podcast about education. Oh my God. Most of my podcasting, my podcasts that I listen to are not for education. Honestly. What are they about? <laughs> Let's see. What, what is your favorite podcast? Oh, well, I, I like Joe Rogan. I, I like Joe okay. Rogan. I like talking about nonsense and just talking like a regular dude and talking stupid or whatever, you know, just having that freelance conversation. I think that's kind of key as well, too, to your general health and like relaxation, just to have just downtime and, and thinking. So it's not like I'm, I'm all in on like just learning and learning. Sometimes you need that downtime. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you know, the podcast I probably listen to most on that is, is Joe Rogan. But other than that, I listen to a financial guy called Buck Joffrey, interesting guy, talks about financial investing, particularly for physicians, which really, okay. again, was part of my kind of financial literacy and personal development as well, too, because it taught me a lot about as a physician, you you have certain as certain um um, what all vehicles you can you can um, you can uh, oh my god uh, invest in and stuff sure. so that kind of opened my mind up as well too so those are, I would say the, the two podcasts I really listen to so awesome I appreciate it awesome yeah. all right so yeah. last up where can people find you if they want to connect with you after this well if you guys want to find me I'm on uh, I'm on LinkedIn YouTube Facebook um, um, my YouTube channel is called Your Kidneys Your Health if you look me up on Facebook LinkedIn um, or Instagram, I'm at, at CosmoBudMD, um, and you can look me there. I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. I find that like LinkedIn is an underutilized um, platform for physicians. Uh, I think it's a great place to get really innovative, get on the business side of medicine, which a lot of doctors do not, are not. A lot of them are going to be blindsided by value-based medicine and the trends that are coming in the next five to ten years. So, Awesome. Cosm, always yeah. a pleasure seeing you. Thanks for joining us on T-10, and we'll talk awesome. to you again soon. All right, man. Take care. You too.